fucking fireball whiskey. <laughs> yeah, dude. You're winning when you drink that shit. You know what's better than fireball whiskey? More fireball whiskey. <laughs> I got fireball whiskey in my veins, dude. I used to have tiger blood. Now I just sip on fireball whiskey. <laughs> oh, pow. So good. I don't know what Morgan's talking about. He probably, you know. Probably got a weak stomach. Not like me. I'm a fucking winner. Yeah. <laughs> winner, winner, fireball dinner. Live from Arts Delicatessen in Studio City, it's the nighttime show. Tonight, we have a very special guest, star of the Afrofuturist podcast, Two Black Dudes. And director and creator of Dinner at Lola, not to mention Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, Ahmed Best. We also have our head writer, Matt Walker. I'm the voice of the nighttime show, Mike Black. And now the man who's brought more calories into this deli than money, Mr. Stephen Kramer Glickman. Awesome. Wow, that was, uh, that was amazing. Every time. Thank you. Every time, Mike, you just you just right you just burn right through it. <laughs> God, God bless you. I just want to get it done, <laughs> yes. done and over. With. Now I can go home. Just like sex. Take just like you just want to. That's just more like, my girlfriend. She just wants to get it done. He, <laughs> yeah. He's like our Ed McMuffin. Ed McMuffin. <laughs> That's pretty solid. Um, we are uh, recording this episode. Uh, if you're going to hear some clanking, you're going to hear some dishes. You're going to hear some waiters bringing me pickles. Uh, we are at uh, one of my favorite restaurants in Los Angeles, uh, Arts Deli in Studio City, and we are lucky enough to be Fantastic sitting here. Place. Yes, we have uh, our, our you know our wonderful team here as always, but we are very lucky to be sitting across from um, a, a, a legend, a, an, an absolute uh, an acting legend, and a uh, and a great guy uh, who I've. I've gotten to know over the years, and I'm very excited to have him. Ladies and gentlemen, Ahmed Best. Hello. Ahmed Best yes. is here. Come on. Thank you. That's a wow. big deal. How are you, man? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, how's, how, how are our levels, uh, Matt? Are we okay? We're good. Um, yeah? Yeah, we leveled right. out. We yeah, this is, uh, this is yeah. very exciting for us. Uh, yeah. to the other patrons are very happy that we're not doing the whole podcast. At that level? <laughs> At that level. Yeah, yeah that maybe. Level. That was exactly. quite an announcement. <laughs> 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 a lot of them are just going home now. They're, yeah. yeah, they're like, well, well, it's over right. now. I'm sure just probably. Oh, they're like, they're like, like nighttime. It's it's twelve noon. It's the afternoon. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> what's going on? Um, what's I'm happening at- in this deli? <laughs> Jeez. Why would they call it a nighttime show? I was here for some pickles and some kreplach. <laughs> <laughs> now somebody's screaming at me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love. I always love in uh, whenever I go back to Canada at some of the Jewish delis in Canada. Yeah. They have like the the waiters and the chefs and everyone that works there. They ha- they're all angry and yeah. they all yell and they're rude yeah. like about everything. They're like, "What? You want another soda? You're gonna die this afternoon? What's the matter with you?" Like it's it's just you know it's I love I love that kind of feeling. I love it. There's a lot it's of places best. in Chicago like that. Like there's restaurants that are known for you go to just to get yelled at. Really? Yeah. yeah. I love like, it. Uh, I remember they Insomniac with David Tell? They had one uh, that he went to where like the, all the workers like yelled at him and stuff mm. and oh, depending yeah. on what you order they yell different things at you like if you order the wrong thing and LA used to have yeah. that Ed DeBevix yeah Ed yeah. DeBevix yeah it's gone now it was a, a good place for actors to start out yeah. and be allowed to treat their uh, customers like crap you know? oh I love it <laughs> where, um, Ahmed where did you start out from where where was where did you where were you born you I grew, grew up, up in New York City I was born in New York City and you know raised there so like this a Jewish deli is like home to <laughs> yeah. me. Like I know oh, yeah. this well. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's a uh, where in New York were you? Where I grew up in the South Bronx, and okay. then um, bounced all around New York City. Uh, went to high school in New Jersey. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, South Orange, New Jersey. Went to Columbia High School, which oh, a lot yeah. of people um, came out of. Lauren Hill went to my high school. Uh, oh wow. Um, did they not teach taxes and economics there? <laughs> they did, <laughs> oh which is God. why I was so surprised. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was deep. It was deep. Did you know her to... back then? Or oh, yeah, yeah. We were, okay. we were close back in, in high school. What? Yeah, That's we amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Um, I still talk to her Her brother and So you and were literally parents. there for the education of Lauren Hill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were both miseducated in the exact same high school. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Did she yeah, show up fun. for like the school concerts? Or did you know she Lauren those- was an incredible student? Yeah, I've heard I mean, that she was. Uh, she's super smart. She's yeah. one of the smartest people I know. I've like, heard interviews. I forget who it was. There was. You must have had somebody else that was well known that went to school with you guys because yeah, I've heard interviews on like Howard Stern. People. Somebody was talking about going to school with Lauren Zach Hill. Zach Braff. Um, that must be who it is. Was in the same year as yeah. Lauren. I was. I'm older than Lauren, so she was a couple years beneath wow. me, and so was Zach. Zach was a couple years mm-hmm. below me as well. Zach Braff, too. Yeah, Zach went yeah. to my high school. Uh, I think that's it because he was on Scheider went to my high school. What? Oh my god. Yeah, that's really a, cool. We had a bunch of. Did really you do? Uh, did you? Did you do any acting when you were growing yeah, up? I yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much all I did. I was I was a musician and an actor at the same time. I would always play music and then it would always be a toss up between being in the school play and playing in the pit orchestra in the school play. And um, we were talking about Keith David earlier. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, I was, when I was 15, I would sub in the pit orchestra at Jelly's Last Jam mm-hmm. with oh, wow. my, uh, my drum teacher. He was like a Broadway pit orchestra guy and I would always hang out with him and he would always take me around like getting me ready to play wow. and pit orchestras on Broadway and um, I would go to Jelly's was like one of my favorite musicals ever to go to and Keith yeah. was in Jelly's yeah. yeah yeah. and you know it was Keith David Gregory Hines Savion Glover that's a so, killer cast oh, mm. it, was, it was incredible Amazing. I mean and everybody was just so nice like Gregory would enter the show through the pit orchestra every night because he would come in and then there would be this elevator that took him up to the stage and he would stumble onto the stage and that's where he would, you know, start the show. So every night he would come through the pit orchestra and he would shake everybody's hand. Every musician. While we were playing, as soon as he saw you stop, he'd go up to you, shake your hand, look at you, like connect with everybody. He was one of the nicest people ever. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So I would play music... You know, a typical New York day for me would be, you know, I would go to a rehearsal for something, be in a play, and then I'll do, like, a late-night improv show, and then a late-night, like, jazz trio somewhere, and then, you know, be home at, like, 6 in the morning, and then do it all on. That was, like, a Wednesday. I'm still and that's when you're in high school. Gregory yeah. Hines' entrance, because that's one of the the coolest like power entrances ever. Shake yeah. everyone's hand and then rise automatically. <laughs> 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 you know, it's like Greg, it's the yeah. reverse Lady Gaga from the Super Bowl. Like <laughs> right. you get so, lifted yeah. up. Yes. yes. You know, Greg Hines was like a big hero of mine growing oh, up. Oh yeah. Because mm-hmm. he was, you know, him, Sammy Davis, like all of those guys who could do everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, he was like a, a really big person for me and. He and my drum teacher were very close, you know, because he was a tab dancer and, and percussionist, Greg. Mm-hmm. And my drum teacher and him knew each other very well. So, you know, we'd be walking together to a lesson in the village and Greg Hines would come through and I'd have like a good 10, 15 minute conversation with Greg Hines. And Whoa. Then we'd move on and then I'd see him that night at Jelly's. It was he was one of the best human beings to ever walk the earth. Oh, you my know, he God. was such a special, special person. That's Did such you, a cool thing when stuff like that happens where you admire someone and then you get to know them later in life. And oh, you're yeah. Like, this is surreal that I'm having this conversation. Now. Yeah, it's you know, crazy. You want to time travel back and tell eight-year-old you, yeah. you're not going to believe this, but one day we're going to do this. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was really starstruck by Greg Hines, but he's one of the biggest reasons that I'm not an asshole because <laughs> I, I would always say if Greg Hines is nice to just yeah. any, but some random kid from the Bronx, yeah. There's no reason for anyone to be an yeah. asshole. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good legacy, it's, too. That, yeah. just, that would be a nice legacy to you be You go able through to life, be. you're thinking, what would Gregory Hines do? Yeah. yeah. That's all you need to do. Yeah. yeah. And an amazing, amazing musician and oh, yeah. tap dancer. Like, I think he, more so than being an actor, his tap yeah. dancing was just incredible otherworldly. Wow. You know? Yeah. Such a such what an was amazing the movie talent. He did with Barishnikov. White Knights. Yes. yes. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, check that movie out. Yeah, yeah he's nights. incredible. Did you meet Sa- Savion as yeah. well? Yeah, I knew Savion. I met Savion when he was doing Jellies, and then when I was in Stomp later on in New York, what? Savion would, we did this thing on the Letterman show with uh, Stomp and Savion, and like we reconnected there. Oh, my God. Oh, so then you ended, up, you ended up going and doing Broadway and like working, working yeah, on, on yeah. Broadway. Yeah, um, yeah. When I I, was, I went to the Manhattan School of Music right. for college, and but I was only there for one year because I had already been playing gigs. And, you know, I was 
I was hanging out with all of these jazz cats, like some heavy jazz cats, every day, you know, because right. of my drum teacher. My drum teacher was in a, a percussion ensemble with Max Roach called Umboom. And, you know, I would hang out with Max Roach and all the cats, like all the old, yeah. you know, cats from the 50s. And I had already been playing gigs, so going to school, going to Manhattan school was a little bit slow for me because they weren't training you to be a player. They were training you to, like, be in school. And it was a very different kind of vibe. And I grew up in New York. A lot of people at Manhattan school weren't from New York. They came in from elsewhere. So they come into New York to figure out what is happening. I already knew what was happening. Right. You know? Um and then I got really burnt out on playing. I was a drummer, so I got really burnt out on playing the drums. Because I didn't, I realized that when I was at Manhattan School, I didn't want to be a bebop drummer. Mm-hmm. I felt like bebop and bebop jazz wasn't really where I wanted to go. I wanted to be a little bit more funky. I wanted to be a, a bit more avant-garde. Like I wanted to push the envelope a little bit more. And Sure, sure. Yeah. And Manhattan School of Music at that time was very traditional. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't me, so... Who were some of your favorite drummers back then? Um, wow. That's, that's, a, that's a lot. Um, Max Roach was a big influence because mm-hmm. I was hanging out yeah. with him and I was around him. Elvin Jones was oh, huge yeah. to me because um, Elvin Jones played a, with John Coltrane. Yeah, I, I nearly majored in music and then I realized uh, when I was coming out of high school that like my career choices would be limited in terms of like if, because I was a percussionist and I was yeah. classically trained. I played in orchestras and I yeah. played a little bit of jazz band, but I was never a big set guy. Right. But like I was like, I want to be a timpanist. And I was like, well, there's like 10 jobs in America yeah. where you can make a living being a timpanist. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I, I'm going to go study engineering instead. And then and now you're that. here. And now I do comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, like my favorite, you, I look at guys, I mean, because you mentioned like, you know, playing more funky style, but like David Garibaldi and yeah. uh, uh, Steve Ferroni and guys Ferroni. like that are just amazing. I did a gig with, Fer- I wrote a couple songs where Ferroni played on um, wow. the demos mm-hmm. of my songs and just destroyed. <laughs> yeah. I just ate it up. Like played way, <laughs> I played on like the, the scratch tracks yeah. and then Ferroni came in and, and I was like, why level. did I even pick up drumsticks? <laughs> this doesn't make any, yeah. it was ridiculous. Yeah. Do you like still this, play? Yeah, I play every okay. day. Yeah, see, I, I, I don't have time to play and be at the level that I want to be at, so I haven't played in, in years. But uh, You're too busy cooking and doing all sorts of things. I know, I got other stuff, <laughs> writing jokes. Because yeah. my big thing was uh, I got into playing in bagpipe bands. I was a oh, drummer yeah. in pipe bands, and uh, that was a lot of fun, but it's really technical. So anyway, I sorry to divert into drum talk. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it's all right. We can talk drum no, talk. Yeah. I saw stomp. People I saw love stomp drum on talk. Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> There's one thing I've learned. Yeah, yeah. man. I talk drums all day. Yeah. I, I remember. Did you did you have a, a teacher like uh, that was terrifying, like in Whiplash? Oh yeah. Well, see, <laughs> the funny thing about it is the guy in Whiplash, I who um, J.K. Simmons yes. uh, kind of based the character on. I uh-huh. knew that guy. Oh okay. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna say his name because I don't want to mm-hmm. blow him up and <laughs> he's still coming here because he's still around yeah, throw yeah. a drumstick at <laughs> I mean, and he taught at Manhattan school he uh-huh. wasn't my teacher at Manhattan okay. school my teacher at Manhattan school was this guy named Justin DeChocho who was um, just a really good music educator just in general it's a great musician name too DeChocho yeah, he was like a little Italian oh, yeah. dude you know but he was killing he was a good drummer oh yeah um, but uh, the guy that JK played Really, it looked almost like exactly like the same dude. I mean, he wow. would wear like yeah. tight t-shirts and just be a taskmaster. I mean, he didn't yeah. like in that kill movie. Anybody, it's kind of like he's playing the same character from Oz just as a drummer. Yeah, he's like he's completely yeah. terrifying. I think of it as a sequel. Yeah, to Oz. <laughs> <laughs> just after he got out of he got out of prison, what is he drumming? Got a music <laughs> job, <laughs> right? Secretly, he was a white supremacist drummer. Yeah, in prison makes sense. It like, makes sense. <laughs> I'm gonna go to my fallback option. Which is, Play drums. Now, when you were in Stomp, did you ever do the thing where you tied the the things to your feet, the yeah. giant? Did you yeah, yeah. do that? Yeah, yeah. You did that? Uh-huh. Walkers. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. What, what is something no one would know about doing that <laughs> that, that you realized? Wait, wait, wait. Let me explain to our audience if they don't know the musical Stomp. The, it was uh, uh, how many percussionists were on stage? Eight. Eight percussionists. And there was uh, songs that you guys would do where it was 
uh, everyone just had lighters. Yeah. Right? Zippos. And so, yeah. Zippos. So it'd be like a whole song with just Zippos. Mm-hmm. Then they had these giant, uh, they were, what were they, oil drums? Oil or drums. Like oil drums. They would walk around and, and be the bass line of it. I mean, dude, it was so cool. Yeah. I saw that and I saw Bring Into Noise, Bring Into Funk, funk in, yeah. the same, in the same year. And I was like, I think it was around the same year. Yeah. And it was insane. I mean, that was those a really good insane. time for theater in New York because we were really oh, yeah. pushing the envelope. It was like, mid to late 90s like 95 i started stomp in 95 Mm -hmm. yeah um and i was in it off and on for like 10 years and it was stomp noise funk and blue man group those were the Mm -hmm. three big shows in new york and And rent was there too rent was huge yeah and we would all kind of hang out which was weird Mm -hmm. (laughs) sure because everybody knew who everybody was in rent yeah, because right. it was Tay Diggs and and uh, Idina Menzel, Idina and, and and Jesse, Anthony Rapp, yeah, Anthony yep. Rapp, Jesse yep. Martin. Like everybody knew who everybody was. They were people, but yeah. in Stomp, people, they didn't know who we were. We were just like we we formed this kind of big amalgam of noise. Like we didn't, we weren't really individuals. Nobody had cast names. I mean, nobody had cast names that yeah. you knew. We sure. had cast names in the show, yeah. sure, but um, they weren't in the program. You know, so it would be just, it's just random third from left. people, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, but we would all hang out occasionally, you know, and it would be like the Stompers, the Blue Man Group, the the Rent Renters. Like we all had like these names, you know. Uh-huh. Like, wow. Oh yeah, we're, we're sitting with the Stompers. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's what, yeah. what it would be. It was kind of like you know. It sounds like gangs that have reached an accord together. Yeah. Like, you know, like, it's funny, like when I was doing the sequel to the Warriors. When yeah. I was <laughs> when I was doing clones in in Australia, the um, the Lord of the Rings guys came over from New Zealand. Oh my so, god! So <laughs> we were hanging out. It was like the Star Wars people and the Lord of the Rings people, and I would <laughs> <laughs> I would be hanging out with Elijah Wood, and I'd yeah. be like, "Okay, where's um where's everybody else?" And they go, "Oh yeah, he's with the Hobbits." Like they called each other the Hobbits and the <laughs> yeah. Elves. And the, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's it was hilarious. hilarious. Oh my God, that's amazing. Right. It's hilarious. Oh, yeah, I'm hanging out with the rest of the hobbits. So when we would get calls, yeah. I'd call, you know, I'd call Natalie and be like, hey, I'm hanging out with the hobbits tonight. You want to <laughs> you want to hang with the hobbits? <laughs> no. She'd be like, no. Now, if you hung out with people when they were making Lord of the Rings, did you talk at all with Andy Serkis? Because you sort of had similar no, roles didn't. in those films. Um, I didn't meet Andy until much, much later, um, until like five years ago. That was the first oh, wow. time I met Andy. Oh wow! Um, we always knew of each other because you're like the two people who really brought that like, sort of like motion capture turned into animation yeah. you see on screen. Yeah, you were you're right the two the pioneers of, the, of that. Yeah, yeah you I'm, really were. I'm I mean, the Vader to his Luke. <laughs> yeah, right. Now, now you were. Um, how how did you how did you make the leap from doing Broadway and doing stomp and and musicals to working on? On Star Wars, uh, yeah, it's very. I, I mean, Phantom Menace. I mean, yeah. is that is that your was that your first act like acting on yeah. screen credit? That was my first movie. Oh, wow. oh my god, Phantom Menace was my first movie. That, my brain just melted a little bit. Inside. Yeah, yeah, that's, mine did too. That's got to be insane. How did that happen? How do you go from one it was to the other? it was very unorthodox. I was doing Stomp in San Francisco. I was on a tour. Mm-hmm. Okay, and um, this is a funny. I was just telling my son this story the other night. I was on stage, and <laughs> the funny thing about it was I usually was the lead of the show, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But that the night that the casting director for Star Wars was in the audience, Robin Gerland, I didn't know she was there. Mm-hmm. And one of my cast members got really sick. Mm. And so um, the, the head office of Stomp flew a new guy out, and he was from San Francisco. And... He had been in the show for like a year longer than I was, and he wanted to lead the show. And I was like, nah, this is my show. This is my cast. We've been all over the country doing this for months. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't know the show the way I know the show. And he was like, well, I'm leading the show. And I had to play a role that I hadn't played in six months, and it was the role of the guy who got sick. So I was upset. And, you know, when I was younger, I was kind of, you know, arrogant and, and... I was, a, uh, you know, I could, Stomp was a show that was pretty much tailor-made for me. You know, it had acting, yeah. it had music, it had movement, it had dance, and I've been doing that since I was zero. So, I, it, was, it was a show that came really easy to me, and it was so much fun. And I reached a level in Stomp that I pretty much like, 
do any of the roles with, you know, at a moment's notice. But I didn't want to play this role this night because mm-hmm. I right. wanted to do what I do, right? Yeah, sure. So I had to play this role. And I was just a jerk through rehearsal because we had to rehearse it, right? I had never played it, and I was just such a jerk. You know, we had these four-bar solos, and I refused to make up a solo in rehearsal. And everybody was like, well, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'll make one up as soon as the lights come on. You'll see what I do. Yeah. You know? Wow. So, <laughs> um, so I did. And the other guy who led the show, there's a, there's a piece in, in Stomp called Suspension where we like hang from the ceiling and we swing back and forth on. Oh my God. So we're like 50, 60 feet in the air and we're playing all this stuff on a grid. We're playing like fire extinguishers and stuff, but we're swinging. And the guy playing next to me is, was not as good a drummer as me. So I was like, I'm going to blast this dude out. (laughs) Like you will marry, you will forget him by the time we unhook from these things. <laughs> and so that night, I had an outlandish show. I mean, it was a really great show, but yeah. the big thing about Stomp is we're all a group of eight playing together, forming this you sure. know, harmony. Yeah. It was not that at all that night. <laughs> it was Whoa. Ahmed and seven guys. And the rest of y'all. <laughs> Versus wow. everyone, you know? Oh, my God. And I was, like, doing backflips. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> literally doing backflips. I was backflips. literally doing backflips like, across the stage with a trash can, you know? I was like, yeah. pow, pow. I was like playing and doing backflips at the same time. I'm like, wow. All of y'all are getting cream tonight just because I'm pissed, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh my so, God. This is so great. The show is over, and I was still like fuming. And after the show, we have an encore where we all come out and we all play and we do a, a, the last like call and response. So during the encore, I come out and play and I take my shirt off <laughs> and I throw it into the audience like a rock star, <laughs> right? What? <laughs> And I'm like pointing to women. Oh like, my god! People are cheering like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "Yeah." So I walk off stage. Everybody's mad at me, but they yeah. know like not to talk to me because I'm yeah. salty, right? So good. So one of the dudes in the cast, his name is R.J. Sampson. I gotta always shout out R.J. because if it wasn't for R.J., none of this would have been possible. R.J. comes backstage and he goes, "Hey." um, I had a guest in the audience tonight, and she's casting the new Star Wars movie. And immediately I was like, oh, shit, I blew it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Like, I was acting a complete ass on stage, and here's this person in there. Like, like a, I was like, man, I'm sorry. Because yeah. I, I thought Gregory it was Hines for never him, done ever, <laughs> ever. I was yeah. like, I, I completely, Gregory Hines would have been <laughs> turning over in his grave. But I thought she was there for RJ. Yeah. And, and I was like, blew his I shot fucked RJ's oh, shot up. Yeah. I blew it. Like, wow. I just made, oh, he's like, I'm so sorry. And he was like, no, she wants to talk to you. I was like, for what? <laughs> You're like, do I get lectured <laughs> now? I'm, I'm gonna what, what does she want to <laughs> yeah. talk to me for? And he's like, she wants you to audition for the new Star Wars movie. And I was like, what? Why? After what I just did? Like, <laughs> yeah. really? And she was like, yeah. So can I give her your number? And I was like, yeah, just tell her to give me a call later. So I go back up to my apartment in San Fran, and she calls me. Same she's, night? Same night. Wow. She's like, oh, can you come to the ranch tomorrow and put yourself on tape for this audition? And I was wow. like, sure. You know. So I drove up to the ranch, my first time to the ranch. Did they I, tell you what it was? or? Nah. But everything was... Um, it's got to be a huge secret. Really, really under wraps. You know, George yeah. hadn't directed anything in 20 years. Oh, my God. There was rumors of this thing going on, mm-hmm. and everybody was auditioning for it. I, I later found out that Robin Williams wanted to do it. Eddie Murphy wanted to do it. Michael Jackson wanted to do it. Yeah, Michael wow. Jackson was upset. Yeah. At me. At you. In my face, which was weird. Wow. What? Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a little yeah. bit. So keep, so keep telling us the story. Um, so I went up to the ranch, and she didn't give me any script or anything. She was just, like, pretty much talking me through this audition. And I pretty much did what I did last night, on, the night before, on stage, which was just, like, a bunch of different kind of movements. At, at first, they just wanted the, the mocap for, for my mm-hmm. movement. Right. right, and then yeah. it was much later that I did the voice stuff, but it was really a movement audition. Mm-hmm. So she did that, put me on tape, done. Took a tour of the ranch, went back down, and I was like, "All right, I'm doing the show tonight," and I just did the show. Went to DC, and then I get another call, and it was like, "Can you come back for a screen test?" And How much like, later was this? This was like a month later. Okay, 
And um, I'm like, yeah. And they flew me back to ILM. I go meet everybody at ILM. And this was like the very first motion capture test that they've ever done, mm-hmm. you know? Sure. So they put me in the mocap suit, which is everybody knows what the that thing with looks the ping like pong balls. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. ping pong balls. And it's a very tight bodysuit that's revealing. What did you revealing. think when you saw that thing? I thought, uh... Uh, you got some shorts I can yeah. put on with this thing because you hadn't seen those before, right? Never seen it before. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, and it was, it was different from what they do now. Like performance capture, motion capture. Now you have cameras that are mounted on you. Oh wow! All right. So back then they were just infrared cameras around the room, so you needed uh, a, a certain amount of space that was taped off. So that every camera around could get, thank you. Every camera around could get the motion. So it was just like movement 360, right? And they had these huge computers that were the size of these tables that were capturing all the information. So oh, yeah. people kind of had to come in there to interact with you. Yeah. And everything. Okay. And they were writing the software as I was doing it. Wow. Wow. So. They was like they had nothing. They had no idea what was going to work. They had no idea if it was going to work. Yeah. So George comes into my callback or the, the screen test, and he's kind of like, you know, very quiet, <laughs> walking in, and then he just really nonchalantly just directs me doing a bunch of stuff, and then he leaves. You know, <laughs> yeah. Oh God, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. And I and I thought, oh man, well, you know, if anything, this was fun. And I got to see ILM, so yeah. thanks, y'all. And I go back on the road, and um, I was in Philly after DC, and then we were gonna go to Brazil to do Stomp. And I was, and I hadn't gotten a call. It was like a month after that, after my screen mm-hmm. test. I'm in Philly, and um, I was like, well, you know, that was cool, and I get to go to Brazil, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. then a week before we leave for Brazil, I get the call, and they're like, can you? come and do this movie and then i'm on a plane to england the next like month wow England, just Man. getting to do this movie oh my god Man. Man, and that's life-changing weird. at that point yeah i mean it was a big game changer and to start that large was just really shocking mm-hmm. yeah you know i mean because you know my father's a cinematographer so i had been around sets yeah right and i was perfectly happy to start small yeah, you know sure, what I mean. Like yeah. I loved doing independent films. I loved doing student films. I loved being on stage. Like that. That's that, this was my thing. You know, mm-hmm. I I didn't care about scope. Like I just really wanted to do good work. Yeah. I still do. Yeah. So um, when I get there, I realize how enormous this thing is, and it's a, it's a little shocking. You know. Yeah. So it's, it Who, takes you aback a little bit. What was one of those things that you saw, like when you first got to set, that you were like, "Oh, this is Star Wars." Like, was there anything like that that kind of you know it didn't like really feel like Star Wars until the Jedi showed up <laughs> like it yeah. feels like it feels like something large you know because yeah. the sets are big the costumes are huge yeah. you know Natalie's right. costumes were ridiculous oh, yeah. yeah they're just incredible you know the hair the makeup and stuff but when like Liam and Ewan walked in dressed like Jedi's I was like oh okay we're here this is yeah. it <laughs> wow this is happening. we're doing yeah. this were, now did you shoot most of the movie in England, or where did you yeah. guys shoot? shoot we it? shot episode one was mostly in England, and then in Tunisia, in North mm-hmm. Africa. That's where all the Tatooine stuff yeah. is in yeah. Tunisia. And now, was then, that in the same exact locations yeah. as the original Star same Wars? Because I know they did it in Tunisia, but I don't know if yeah. it was the same. Same spot. location. Yeah. Oh my god! As uh, New Hope. Well, um, who was the first person that you interacted with? Like, as far as you know, actors or people that you were getting I to met, work with. Um, outside because, of George, I met all the actors at the same time. So when you when you were working on this film, because you were doing motion capture stuff, but you were in a suit, yeah, on set mm-hmm. every day, yeah. And then how how did it work? Because I've seen some photos, yeah. Did you have the Jar Jar costume on, and then and then they just put the the character around how did it how did it work exactly? yeah well i well they didn't really know how it was going to work so the they wanted to hedge their bets on all levels so if the animation didn't work they had me in a suit mm-hmm. and they were just they would just animate 
from my neck up. Yeah, because I saw I've seen pictures of you where you got like a Jar Jar hat and you're yeah. wearing like stuff yeah. with your yeah. arms, and then we don't really see that in the movie. There are a couple of shots where in in Phantom Menace where they actually use me. Okay. Wow. Most of it is they animated over me, mm-hmm. but most of the movements in the Phantom Menace I do. Yeah. And they yeah. just animate over me but there are some things that i just can't physically do because i'm not you know a seven foot gungan yeah. so they had to <laughs> right like crazy backflips and things yeah. like that yeah. i mean i did a couple of the backflips uh-huh. i didn't do that like the dive. whole weird spinning thing yeah that was i amazing. didn't do that <laughs> um but yeah a lot of the physicality yeah, if you could do that you should be in the olympics yeah <laughs> <laughs> you should have a couple gold medals yeah i yeah. wish i could do that dive. speaking of that dive you've heard the theory right about how jar jar is the yeah. head the of sith lord the- I don't know if you can talk about that. Maybe you can't. But I <laughs> meant both these nerds called me. Yeah. All right. And I'm a big Star Wars fan. But both these, when I told them that you were coming to do the show, both of them called me separately, not yeah. talking to each other. I went, you know, what we have to ask him about. Yeah. Is <laughs> the Jar Jar Sith Lords? Yeah. And I was like, Darth Jar Jar. Fucking it's nerds. <laughs> it's a compelling theory. Like, no, it's a theory. It is. It is. It is. Yeah. It's good. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. I'll say this about it. I can't talk too much about it okay. because, you know. Just in case. Just, yeah. <laughs> and it's really a question for George, you know, because yeah. <laughs> he is the mastermind behind it. But if it were true, mm-hmm. it would make sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It would that, make a lot of sense. That's what I thought when I read it, too. Yeah. There were a couple of things that uh, I'm shocked. Like the first, the guy who wrote the first, the Reddit post of mm-hmm. it, yeah. he picked up on a lot of detail that, wasn't really talked about yeah. like you know yeah. mostly like a lot of the movement came from martial arts because I'm a martial artist right and George wanted a lot of that stuff so I did a lot of like drunken style martial arts I did mm-hmm. a lot of monkey yeah. style martial arts yeah. as Jar Jar especially in that that, that final battle scene, scene yeah. you know uh, do you mind explaining Matt or Mike you guys want to explain to our fans what the theory is just so that that essentially that he that Jar Jar was kind of doing what Yoda did when you first meet him, where he's playing this silly, goofy, incapable mm-hmm. character that's kind of annoying. But then later on, he'll reveal that he's actually a Sith Lord. And there are little things that he did in the movie, like a very Jedi-like dive yeah. into the yeah. water. And he even does the Jedi mind trick yeah. move with his hand at one yeah. point. And... Um, he is the one who voted Senator Palpatine into power. Yeah. Wow. Uh, there's a lot of like things that just really add up to the possibility yeah. that that's what he was doing the whole time. And they still haven't addressed his fate after yeah. Vader became Darth Vader. Yeah. You know, well, they still haven't said what's happened to him. Yeah. You know? yeah. There's a scene in um, Sith that didn't make the movie but mm-hmm. was written and it's somewhere I don't know where it is but it's me and Ian McDermott who plays Palpatine mm-hmm. just walking down a runway talking about the Empire Wow! and it would be if there are any Darth Jar Jar fan theorists out there that would be it, it the would one. definitely wow. be a definitive <laughs> yeah. like scene well, oh my Lucas god himself said it at one point when people there was all the backlash about Jar Jar and what uh, he said, Jar Jar is the key. Yeah, he told yeah. me that, too. Yeah, he was When like, I was shooting, he's like, God. you're the key. So, yeah. God, what a... It might be. Now, also, on another thing, uh, what are your thoughts? Did you ever see the trailer for The Force Awakens where they cut in Jar Jar? Have yeah. you seen that trailer? Yeah. Which is one of my favorite things about the entire Force Awakens experience was that trailer. I loved it so much. Yeah. It was the funniest thing ever. Uh, I, I haven't seen. I gotta see that. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny <laughs> it's because on everyone yeah. has this love-hate relationship with Jar Jar, including mm-hmm. me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the Star Wars popular media out there just kind of forgets that I did this thing. You know, yeah. like every time people are talking about the legacy of Star Wars, I'm just kind of omitted. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. Which I think is a disservice, not to me, but to the story. I think to the story, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. the the story and the characters in each story actually do matter in the in the grand oh, scheme of things. Absolutely, and totally. I thought what I thought was going to happen as I was watching the series unfold was I was like, oh, this character is his last tether to his humanity, humanity, his mm-hmm. and I was like, he's going to kill him in the third. One. I thought Something for sure, like yeah, he mm-hmm. was going to kill your character in the third one, and that would show his complete transformation to Darth Vader. 
And then when they didn't do that, I was like, well, then what are what is he doing? What are they yeah. doing with it? I was, actually, <laughs> I was actually disappointed that I didn't get a good death scene. You know, yeah. I, I really wanted to kind yeah, of die like in a real big yeah. epic way. A Star way, Wars movie you know would I mean? be the one to, to do it. I, I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted a good death scene. You yeah. know, I mean, I think there's still more movies. You don't I know how see. long Gungans live. We'll see. He could come I back think they and were get killed. Probably afraid because all all these kids love the Jar kids. Love like, yeah, yeah, that's not true. Even a dissenting opinion among children. Yeah. Children, yeah. love kids Jar Jar, and I think that would have messed up a lot of kids. Matt was telling me. I think who who was the who was the critic that. That talked about him? Well, I mean, Roger Ebert loved Jar Jar Binks. Mm-hmm. I remember at the yeah. time his review talked about what a revolution it was to see a character like this and how yeah. it was like a new thing in movies that was going to start happening where you could have a completely digital yeah. character that looked real. It yeah. wasn't something that looked phony or whatever. It was like, uh, and he was somebody who always loved the visuals of movies. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, you know, like, as, as Steve will tell you, I mean, for years I've always said, I don't think Jar Jar is the problem with that movie. I know a lot of people no. my age who went to see Star Wars didn't like Jar Jar. But they're the ones who still complain about Ewoks being in yeah. Return of the right. Jedi, right? Yeah, yeah I, I love like, Ewoks. And I love the Ewoks. I love the Ewoks. So it's like, Ewoks. so I never had a problem with Jar Jar. I have some problems with the movie, but it's not about Jar Jar. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Lucas taking that much time off from being a director, I think there were some things that just his work with actors and yeah. that the performances in the movie weren't all that great because they were very wooden in a lot of cases. But, you know, I think... Uh, well, but, I mean... Jar Jar to me was one of the, the bright McGregor, spots in the movie. Like Ewan McGregor is amazing in it, and Natalie yeah. Portman's amazing in it, and Darth uh, Maul is the your, coolest. Oh, Darth Maul's like the yeah. coolest villain we've seen. It's one of the very, best very villains oh, in movies. Absolutely, Ray Park is just amazing. Yeah. He really he is. is a great martial artist. I saw him at the uh, yeah. the opening of the last one. They they had him come out. They did the whole marathon over at the El Capitan, yeah. and um, they gave him the tri saber, the new. Uh, oh, Kylo yeah. Ren saber and they were like can you do any tricks with this and he was like I've never held it before and it's as big as he is he's not a very tall man so yeah, like, he's little right? is a, yeah. and he did this amazing routine with it like you could tell it was the first time he was using it but it was just amazing to watch him in real life do like a perfect form uh, presentation oh my god so cool it, it was something else That's I don't amazing. like the Kylo Ren lightsaber I don't no, need, I don't, me either. It seems impractical. Like you're gonna you hurt have yourself. two lightsabers coming out. I mean, if you think about it, like medieval broadswords, yeah. they didn't have the sharpest daggers no. ever as the hilt of a broadsword. Yeah, they right. were there to yeah. protect your hand, not to right. potentially cut yourself. Right. Away. Like yeah. I, you can with the there's a there's a technique in broadswords where you put your finger over the hilt. It's called the yeah. mm-hmm. over the finger, like a like a trigger grip. Yeah. If you do that to Kylo Ren, you'll cut your, your finger's whole gone. hand yeah, off. That's like, insanity. It doesn't make any sense. Now, we I haven't, know. I agree 100%. We haven't 100%. seen any close-ups yeah. of Kylo Ren's hands. So maybe he he's got robot fingers. fingers. He may not have any fingers. He's got those Luke hands with uh, Luke robot fingers now. If they did the uh, cross yes. hilt without the lightsabers coming out on the side, I'd been like, oh, yeah, I can deal with that. The yeah. one yes. thing that I heard that made it make sense was it helps protect you from someone chopping your hand off. And I was like, I guess. Yeah, you, <laughs> so you, you can chop your own hand off. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but like God. everything about that lightsaber too seemed homemade. It seemed like, yeah. like it's what? A, it's a fun idea. I mean, I got, yeah. I get what yeah. they wanted to do. They wanted to have like this medieval broadsword-looking lightsaber. There, somebody yeah. said, why not? Yeah. But like yeah. everything about him seemed like goth rebel kid. Yeah. And yeah. so it seemed like he was like, I'm going to go to Radio Shack and I'll make, I'll show them what a lightsaber <laughs> is. And, and well, he that's was. What well, you get. I mean, he really is Darth <laughs> Millennial. Like that's yeah, the thing. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I honestly couldn't stand Adam Driver before I saw uh, Force, Force Awakens. Awakens. Yeah. Couldn't stand him because I don't like that show Girls very much yeah. at all. So Stephen uh, hates girls. I don't Just. like girls. So I, mean, <laughs> I do not like girls. Uh, no, He's but, part of the He Man Women's Hater Club. I really <laughs> am. But I, uh, but I was like, I was like. Oh. I was like, I was like Adam Driver from Girls. That's yeah. what we have to watch. Are you yeah. kidding me? Like when they showed the first like like sit around table read where you yeah. see everybody, yeah, I was yeah. like, oh god. And then he, I thought he was very, I thought he was very very good. I like Adam Driver. I thought I he think, was wonderful. I, yeah. I like him. Um, well, he's under he, a mask the whole time. Like you see him for like twelve yeah, but seconds. His voice in the movie. is great and his yeah. performance is great. I don't know. I like Look, him. You did. Like you, you you had a, a something happen to you that didn't that that is remarkable in the Star Wars universe of the of the of the movies almost never i mean it happened to anthony daniels but mm-hmm. m- for most people if you are 
a character on set, but they can remove your voice and give it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. They do. How? Do, but they didn't do that with you. You got mm-hmm. to do the voice and be yeah. a character. Yeah, yeah. How did that end up working out for you? Like, um, honestly, were you guaranteed both? Or no, just- I was only guaranteed the movement, and then they were looking for voice actors to do the voice. And honestly, I just auditioned. I put myself in the same mm-hmm. pool as everyone else. Like, wow. I didn't have any kind of special treatment whatsoever like they had a list of people and i was on it and i don't know if um george knew who the people were he just picked the one he liked and it was mine wow do you think you having done the movements helped you sort of understand what should be done for that better uh i don't know i know it was probably easier for george to work with me mm-hmm. at the same time doing the voice and the movement mm-hmm. i get that you know yeah. yeah but yeah i don't know were you doing know. the lines on set as yes. well yeah. okay oh, yeah. yeah i mean i was hired as an actor right right yeah, yeah. and i wasn't a, a stand-in i wasn't a, a no a body so. double yeah. i wasn't yeah. a stunt man i was hired as an actor and and i felt it was my duty to be an actor so on, cool on, yeah. on the set so I was there every day. I'm in every scene. Every scene you see Jar Jar in, that's me doing it with everybody. Yeah. You know, that's not common knowledge. And it's funny, I was hired mostly for the physicality. And now most people think I just did the voice, but I did everything. No, yeah, you were there the whole time. You know? So It's so interesting. And it's that, funny, like yeah. Andy well, I'm, I'm glad Circus, they did that, too, because, like, you see those tapes of David Prowse doing the voice yeah. of Darth Vader and, and stuff. And you're just like, it. it's like, it sounds weird. Yeah, and you're like, I, that shouldn't. No, I don't want to hear that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Andy um, Circus, the good thing about what Andy Circus did was Andy was beautiful at standing up for himself mm-hmm. as the actor. Yeah. Because it could have been, it could have gone the exact same way for Gollum. Yeah. But, and I have to say, Peter Jackson, too, really yeah. made everybody know that there was an actor in there and there was an actor doing it. Yeah, they they had that big Oscars push to try to get him nominated yeah. for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, they really... Yeah. yeah, the Lord of the Rings people, Peter Jackson and Andy, they really made sure that you knew that this was an art form that actors were going to do. And I think they yeah. did learn a, a huge lesson from Star Wars, which was, you know, I don't think Lucasfilm pushed me as the actor as mm-hmm. much as... Lord of the Rings pushed Andy as the actor, and I sure. think it, it, it was it was a, a little bit of a, a a miss move. You know, it was an opportunity yeah. that they could yeah. have taken better advantage of. Were there other characters on set that were digital as well that were that were not that being were done that in, way? Not that were in the same getup I was. Yeah. Yeah. There were other actors on set who were uh, replaced, like uh, Andy Seacombe played Watto. Mm-hmm. Oh right, and he yeah. was on set, and he did the voice, and he was there moving around, but he wasn't—he didn't do any mocap because Watto is a three-foot flying, yeah, right, you know, blue creature. <laughs> so, uh, but he was there for blocking, and he was there doing the voice. Wow! And then the guy who was playing Sebulba, who was the guy who knocks mm-hmm. Jar Jar yeah. down, and the and he does the pod race. He was there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but. I was the only, as far as I can remember, you know, this was almost 20 years ago. Yeah, sure. Um, I was the only actor hired doing what I did, you know, yeah. I mean, doing the mo- and who had to do the mocap afterwards. Because I worked on the movie for two years. Yeah. Most of the principal photography was done and everybody else went on to do other things. But because they were figuring out and writing the software at the same time, I, I was constantly at ILM working stuff out with them. Yeah. And that's in California, you were there in, in Marin? I was in Marin, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was living in New York at the time, so I was flying back from New York to Marin for two years, like working on... Were you Georgia. working on anything else during this time frame, or was it pretty I went much back to doing Stomp. Yeah, okay. I was, like, wow. was my, my wow. day job, you know? So I would do <laughs> Stomp, and then they would call me on weekends, and I'd fly out there. You know, and then that's when, when the movie. Could, could you tell anyone about it? Days. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you're doing stomp, and you've got good friends you're doing the show with. Yeah. Could you tell them, like, hey, I'm in Star Wars? Or yeah, it- I mean, by the time I started doing the gig, I, I told everybody. Yeah. But you couldn't tell me anything about what was going on. It was just like I'm in Star Wars. That's I, all I, I can share say. The script. I couldn't tell you what was. Uh, you know, we were. It was like 
a Bible of NDAs we had to sign. I imagine, yeah. Like, and you got to, I mean, you got to see a lot of growth from a lot of different people. I mean, Hayden Christensen yeah. kind of grew up doing, Hayden you know, did, yeah. over there. Natalie and grew up. Natalie Portman no. was a child. Yeah. And then, she was you know, 16, I think. My God. At the time. What, what were they like as far as people to work with? Or Fantastic, really generous. I mean, the guy in Phantom Menace, I really did most of my work with Liam. Yeah. And Liam and I really hit it off. Like, he's a very oh, yeah. fantastic, special human being. And it was a weird kind of duo, you know, him there and I. There was a fun relationship between those two characters, yeah. too, on, yeah. you know. We really got along very well. It was, it was strange, you know, because he's big Irish dude, and I'm the <laughs> kid from the Bronx. And for some reason, we just clicked. You That's know? so great. We just really clicked. And I, I learned so much just from standing so next to him. So if you're ever kidnapped, you're safe. Yeah. You're, oh, yeah. You don't have to worry at all. <laughs> I'll never be kidnapped. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> I'll never get taken. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then you, oh, my God. I just, and, it, and it, you know, what's so funny with, with talking with you about this kind of stuff is that little things start popping up in your brain where you're like, oh, my God, you had to work with Jake Lloyd. Yeah, like And Jake. do you, have you had any contact with him? Yeah, um, I saw Jake uh, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Wow! Yeah, um, yeah. He's doing. He's doing all right. He got hit pretty hard from that. Was a that was very unfair. Yeah. Um, yeah. In my opinion, you know, I got hit really hard, but I yeah. was an adult. Yeah. There's a big and yeah. I'm from the Bronx, yeah. right? You know what I'm saying? Like you've heard worse than anything on. Anything oh, you didn't like my character in the movie? Yeah. Boo hoo! I'm <laughs> trying to survive know, up in here. Here, the big difference was uh, to to me is that your character was polarizing. There were yeah. people who. To this day, grew up being like I love I love Jar Jar Binks. It was my favorite character as a kid. I grew up watching him. I like I had you know I had his, all his toys, you know all that kind of stuff. And then you had people who were like I don't get what they were doing there. Not the same for Jake Lloyd. Jake Lloyd was just it was either I hate that little kid. Or nothing at all. Like there was yeah. no like, there was no upside. I can't officially say I hate a little kid. So <laughs> that, that was the that was yeah. rough. the I mean, other that's option. Be rough. You know, it was very rough for him, yeah. you know. And being ten years old, being in this enormous like resurrection of this iconic mm-hmm. franchise, and you playing yeah. the iconic character oh, yeah. turns into like the, yeah. the biggest bad guy in movie history. For him to get the response that he got was just devastating. Yeah, you yeah. know, and it was life altering for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure for going to school and having yeah. to be it around. It was very other difficult kids. for. Him. Oh yeah. man, absolutely. Yeah, well, that's got to be pretty rough. Oh, now uh, really you mentioned tough. that Michael Jackson wanted the role, and you had some interaction yeah. with him. So tell you us. You got to tell us the story. Okay, so <laughs> George took me and and Natalie. And his kids to go see Michael Jackson at Wembley in mm-hmm. London. And um, he had known Michael because he did Captain EO. And Michael was a huge fan of Star Wars and all that stuff. So we go to the, we go to the show at Wembley. And we're in the Royal Box at Wembley. Because, you know, it's George. Everybody knows he's there doing a movie. And, you know, Michael yeah. puts us in the box. <laughs> So we're watching the concert, and I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan. Like, I'm an obscenely large Michael Jackson fan since I was a kid. So I'm over the moon about just being there. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm sitting, me and Natalie are just having a great time at this concert. It was me, Natalie, George's kids, and George. So this dude, the Royal Box at Wembley has, like, a secret passageway just in case, like, the royals have to get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. So this guy comes up from out of nowhere, and he's behind us, and he whispers something to George. And so George goes, come on. So we go in this secret passageway, and we walk down these very narrow steps, and then we end up backstage. And we're backstage at the Michael Jackson concert. There are people on, on gurneys, like, passed out because, you know, for some reason Exhausting. you go see Michael Jackson yeah. and you pass out. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there's, like, people on hospital gurneys passed out. That's like I had a, I dated a girl who was one of those people who would go stand outside Neverland Ranch like during that trial. Yeah. And like she was like, oh, I'm going to Santa Barbara today. I'm going to go stand outside Neverland. I was like, I can't date you anymore. Like yeah, this is too not, crazy for me. Yeah, that's too much. <laughs> like I don't, I don't understand that enough. I like Michael Jackson. Yeah, I don't yeah. understand that. Oh, dear God. So uh, we go backstage and we're standing backstage 
and creepy dude comes back and he points to this like roped off area that has like <laughs> black curtains around it and he points in there and we go in there and Michael Jackson's in there like he's like changing his shirt and I'm like oh snap it's Michael Jackson <laughs> and George is like hey and Michael doesn't talk he's just mm-hmm. you know waving at us he shakes my hand I'm like oh dip I just shake Michael Jackson's hand right so if I were to die right then I'd have been I right right I'd have been yeah, cool. yeah yeah sure so we go to the back Michael comes on stage and he does like two more songs and I'm looking at 80,000 people at Wembley and watching Michael Jackson run back and forth on stage just like everybody's in the palm of his hand. Mm-hmm. Like, this is incredible, right? He does Heal the World. There's like a whole bunch of kids that come out on stage doing Heal the World and then he like disappears into an elevator. Elevators and stages are a big theme for me for some reason. <laughs> yeah, like, a lot of people vanish yeah, into right? the stage. He vanishes into the stage <laughs> on an elevator, right? And I was like, man, that was great. And I was ready to go to the bar and have a drink, right? Yeah. Creepy guy comes back, and he's like, Michael wants to see you guys. Takes us out to the parking lot slash driveway of Wembley Arena, right? There's about 15 minivans. Yeah. Toyota minivans that look like bubbles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the door opens. Michael jumps out of a minivan, and he's like, oh, man, George, great to see you, right? Side note, Lisa Marie is in the van. Whoa. Okay. So it's that era. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, the Lisa oh, Marie snap, that, And this was like post-divorce. Yeah. Yes. It's post-divorce, right? But Lisa Marie's in the van, and in the back of the van is like 30 kids. So it's Michael, Lisa Marie, and 30 kids. And then <laughs> I look at Lisa Marie, and Lisa Marie gives me the like the eye. She <laughs> like, gives me like look? the what's up. Oh, and the, I was like, oh. oh. I was like, is Lisa Marie giving me the what's up? (laughs) (laughs) What should I do about this? I'm talking, Michael's right here. Like, you can't give me the what's up and your man's right here, right? Wow. So Michael, like, he's like, thanks for coming to my show. And George starts introducing us. He goes, oh, this is Natalie. And he goes, Natalie, nice to meet you. And he's like, you remember my kids, right? He's like, oh, yeah, I remember you guys. Because he knew the kids since he was a kid. And he goes, and this is Ahmed, also known as Jar Jar. And Michael goes like this. Oh. And I was oh, like, deadpan. what? Had, the, had Phantom Menace come out yet at this point? No, no? we were okay. shooting. Oh, my God. And he was like, oh, okay. Well, you know, George, you know where I'm at, so give me a call, blah, blah, blah. They get in the van, and they drive off. And I was like, oh, that is that was very <laughs> weird. Yeah. You know? Because he was like, he shook my hand, but he looked at me like, Oh, so you the motherfucker. <laughs> did, like, did he wow. get in your face, like, nose to almost nose? He was wearing the surgical mask. <laughs> the, oh, my okay. God. Oh, so it was, so like, good. nose to surgical mask. Yeah. <laughs> he was wearing the surgical mask, the fedora, the captain's jacket. Like, yeah. he was Michael Jackson. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. penny loafers, the high waters. Yeah, the whole he was thing. In. He yeah. was like, this is how I dress. <laughs> right. Yeah? Yeah, this right. wasn't I don't just put on, stage. Yeah. <laughs> I don't put on Reeboks and jeans. <laughs> right. Yeah? Right. So we go up to the bar. Currently, you know? I'm wearing uh, Reeboks and jeans, just in case <laughs> you're wondering. It's not what Michael wear. Yeah, no way. He, like, he, don't, he doesn't leave the house without a captain's jacket. <laughs> right. Michael needs epaulets. Right. So <laughs> we, get, we get backstage, and I'm having a drink, and I'm chilling. I'm talking to George, and I'm like, hey, George, man, can I ask you a question, man? What was that about? Like, what the whole, why did you introduce me as Jar Jar, and, and what was the reaction? He was like, well... Michael wanted to play Jar Jar. And I said, well, huh, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, Michael wanted to do it. And I was like, why did you hire me if you can have Michael Jackson? He was like, well, you know, Michael wanted to do like a full prosthetics thing. And he wanted to like be in like full makeup and costume and stuff. And he's like, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do this TGI thing. And he was like, and also, if Michael Jackson's in the movie, it takes away from the movie. Yeah. Everybody's going to be yeah. waiting to see what Michael, Michael Jackson. Jackson does. Yeah. They're not going to be watching Star Wars. It's not yeah. like when he did The Wiz and he wasn't Michael he Jackson He wasn't Michael yet. Jackson. Michael Jackson yeah. is the biggest cat on the planet. Yeah. So yeah. George was like, he wanted the movie to be the star. Yeah. You know? And that's why he hired us. Because yeah, right. we were all at a point in our careers, especially me. I was yeah. the lowest man on the totem pole. But we were all at this point of the careers where we hadn't really, like, broken yet. You know, Liam yeah. was probably the most known out of 
all of us. Like, this people was after knew Transpotting, I think. After Transpotting. Yeah, so I mean, you know. Ewan was known, he but was he wasn't like a huge star. star. He, yeah, yeah, he yeah. wasn't a, yeah. a movie star. Yeah. Yeah, you this know, is, this is he a, was an independent film star, and so was Natalie. You know, independent yeah. film star. Liam yeah. was the only one who did like big movies at the time. So he really wanted to keep the integrity of the movie together, mm-hmm. and that's why he didn't do Michael. And that's when he told me like Eddie Murphy wanted to be Jar Jar, and Robin Williams yeah. wanted to be Jar Jar. So, I mean, he wow. told me that. I don't know yeah. if that's true, but mm-hmm. that's well, what, if it's coming from George yeah, Lucas, I mean, that's yeah. what he said yeah. to yeah. me. No um, but yeah, yeah that was when amazing. I beat Michael you, Jackson out for a role in movies. We gotta, <laughs> we gotta wrap things up, but before we do, um, I know that you've gone on to do all sorts of different stuff and yeah. do, you know, you've continued acting in, in lots of different projects and, uh, we keep hearing your voice pop up as all sorts of different cool characters and, yeah. yeah. in, in, uh, you know, the clone from the clone wars to doing the video games to doing yeah. Disney You're in infinity, the I reservoir mean, dogs video game, right? Yeah. What yeah. were you in that? I played some random thug criminal. I was in reservoir dogs. I was in Scarface. I did a lot <laughs> yeah. of criminals in yeah. a lot of <laughs> in video, video games. games. Yeah. So I your characters it. actually get shot a lot. I get shot know. a lot. You get your deaths in video games, <laughs> yeah. not movies. Like, I did Scarface, and I was every Jamaican. What? And every Jamaican gets shot in Scarface. <laughs> how long? How long did it take you to do uh, to the do Scarface every Jamaican? To do every Jamaican? Yeah, about a month. Wow. But I was in there doing every random. They were like, "Can you do another Jamaican accent?" I was like, "There's the only <laughs> oh but God. so few Jamaican accents." Uh, oh my <laughs> yeah. god! We just had a. We just sat down with the actor who played. Uh, Batman in uh, I just sat down with him to talk with him the guy who played Batman in all the video games oh and, and, oh, and, and, and Kevin yeah. Conroy yeah, yeah. and Kevin said that on uh, Batman Arkham Asylum he had to do 35,000 lines of dialogue Jeez. for that video game it's crazy yeah it's great that that work is amazing. I love and I played the Scarface video game. Yeah. So I, oh, yeah. I may you have shot him. I may have shot, shot you. You shot him a bunch of times. <laughs> <laughs> if it had dreadlocks and you put a bullet in it, that was me. Um, now I feel <laughs> me bad. and Eugene Bird, like Eugene Bird, also played a bunch of Jamaican. Oh so. my god! Well, what do you have coming up next? What's what's happening? Uh, next coming up doing? next, um, I have uh, a show coming out with my my partner. His name is Jay Lee. He's in Seth MacFarlane's new show Orville, mm-hmm. oh, and cool. he and I do a show called Two Black Dudes that. Seth MacFarlane is EPing. Nice. That's coming out. What? Um, I'm doing a podcast called The Afro Futurist, mm-hmm. which talks about the future and um, black people and brown people in the future and how the future, how the immediate now reflects on the long now, 20, 100 years from now. And it's like, a you know, great title for a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that is great. That yeah. I was like, that sounds I'm awesome. big into like science fiction, science yeah. and the future. And, I, you know. Being a part of the future kind of really made me want to do this podcast and doing yeah. that. And so then cool. um, I'm creating and EPing a lot of different shows. I just finished doing a, a dinner talk show called Dinner at Lola where we had like Seth Green, McFarlane's on the show, Doug Petrie's on the show, Cheo Coker from mm-hmm. uh, uh, Luke Cage. and like yeah. We had a bunch of people on the he show. You had uh, Brandon Braga that. around? I know he's friends with Seth. Brandon Braga, I want to get on Afrofuturist. He's great. Oh, we had him on the podcast. We, yeah, put you, we can put you in touch with him for yeah, sure. I would love Brandon Braga. I'm a huge fan of his. I'm a big Next Gen fan. I think yeah. I'm a bigger Star Trek fan than I am a Star Wars <laughs> fan. Oh, yeah. yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Peace this, and long life. This yeah. this guy, too. Same thing. Same thing. Same thing. Right. Yeah. That's so rad. Will I be leaving now? But, yeah, I'm doing a bunch of stuff, man. I'm doing a lot of stuff i'm constantly that's incredible. around i love it dude you gotta get on discovery that's what you gotta get on oh i'd love that oh that yeah awesome. oh you yeah. would kill on something like that yeah yeah i'd love to see that uh, yeah absolutely um look i think you're and then you gotta tell them to hire me as a redheaded vulcan done so yes go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really really matt that's you're really plugging yourself yeah. as I, a vulcan i should be who would be more the irish a, vulcan who do you know that's more vulcan than me yeah right nobody Exactly. No one is more no Vulcan. One, no one I just met Vulcan. you, and I'm like, man, that dude is hella I'll, Vulcan. I will get the bangs. I'll grow the bangs. I'll do whatever I need to do. I love it. I think I that's love. the first time that's ever been said. Hella Vulcan. Yo, that cat is hella Vulcan. I, I think Tuvok could have been hella Vulcan. Hella Vulcan. Tuvok. He was my second favorite, Vul- favorite yeah. Vulcan other than, other than Spock. Oh, he's yeah. great. I, very, very Tim Ross. Cool. He's probably my second favorite after Spock, and then I go to Jillian Blaylock as yeah, uh, yeah. to Paul because she's the hottest of all time. I wasn't yeah. a, as big an Enterprise fan as I was the other Star Treks. Yeah, but yeah, 
Definitely. She was my favorite Vulcan, but I'm very shallow. Yes. <laughs> I don't have a lot of prerequisites for Vulcan. So. I love it. Yeah. Um, did you, before we wrap up, did you uh, keep anything from your time? I tried. I couldn't. <laughs> well, yeah. the whole, they were, Everything they were like really good about down. security. Uh-huh. And they, they had a, a deal with the Smithsonian. So all the stuff that went from all my costumes and stuff, mm-hmm. they're all in the Smithsonian. So I couldn't take anyone anything, and I was upset because I knew Andy took a, a ring. Yeah. From yeah. Lord oh, of the that's Rings. so he cool. He stole a ring, and yeah. I was like, oh, I wanted to grab something. <laughs> I couldn't grab something. Like cursed Peter Jackson. Like he just let Andy steal a precious. <laughs> have one. <laughs> I, wa- I wanted Jeez. a precious. I heard that uh, Samuel L. Jackson kept his lightsaber and had BMF engraved on it. <laughs> I don't that. doubt that. Yeah. That sounds I don't right. doubt that. that. I can't right. confirm nor deny, <laughs> but I don't doubt it. Where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at uh, at Best Ahmed on Instagram, at Ahmed Best on Twitter, and in at AhmedBest.com. Awesome. So come awesome. And, and, and tell, tell us again the name of the podcast and where the people can The podcast is called The Afro... Afro futurist, and um, it'll be where you get podcasts. I love it, uh, Matt. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me everywhere at funnymatt.com, or if you think I'd make a terrible Vulcan, you can let me know at mattwalkersucks.com. <laughs> yep, that is I'll true. Be logging it's on a real tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what about uh, what about you? What about you, Mike? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, all social media at Mike Black Attack. All right, and you can always get me at Stephen Glickman, S T P H E N Glickman on all social media and don't forget to subscribe to the nighttime show podcast we're going to keep on uh moving to really fun locations all over the los angeles area uh some real fun ones coming up uh so keep on subscribing and leaving us comments we love you guys and leave us suggestions of where else you would like us to go to because uh we're we're going to the magic castle we're going Mm -hmm. to the hollywood heritage museum but today we were very lucky to be at Arts Deli. Go follow them on Twitter at Arts Deli or on Instagram Arts underscore Deli. Uh, They got the best corned beef sandwich I've ever had in my life. I love you guys. Thanks for listening to the Nighttime Show. Peace!